November, the month of Thanksgiving. It needs to be more than just a day and more than just a preparation for um, Christmas that's coming all too quickly. Uh, some of my friends on Facebook, they put something on every day that they're thankful for, which is really not a bad idea because it makes you think about the many, many, many things that we all have to be thankful for. I certainly know that I do. I gave my life to Jesus 44 years ago. Uh, you and I both know many people that need Jesus in their lives. My health isn't 100%, but it's better than a lot of other people that I know of my age. Uh, financially, we could be in a better position, sure, but it's better than many millions of others, and it's better than what it's been in the past. We have seven grandchildren living about 10 minutes away from us, two others a little over three hours, but we still have five that are like 1,200 miles away. But that's still better than some grandparents that very seldom get to see their grandkids. And unfortunately, there's some that have no connection with their grandchildren for whatever reason. Diane and I have been happily married for 44 years. Has it been without struggle? No. But it's been very good. The Lord has gotten us through some difficult times and has blessed us in many, many ways. But a lot of marriages, marriages are dealing with some really huge problems. Uh, some are contemplating or in the process of getting divorced. All four of our children have made a decision for Jesus Christ. You know, many parents can't say that. You know, some kids are brought up in the church and once they leave home or go to college or whatever, they just no longer feel they need Jesus in their lives. I know as a pastor, uh, I know sometimes it can be even more difficult uh, because of things that kids have gone through or seen their parents go through. Do I have a lot to be thankful for? You better believe it. So I want to talk to you about something else that I'm very, very thankful for. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks. Daily, we need to give you thanks. And Father, when times look bad or we're struggling with something, it's, that's maybe the best time to sit down and look at all the things we're thankful for. So, Father, the, the one thing that I want to look at in this message is being thankful for your word, Lord, that you've given it to us in so many different forms. And so, Father, help us to remember that we are blessed to be able to have the freedom to have your word and to uh, talk about it and sing about it and, Lord, just openly discuss it. So, Father, help us to have your message on our hearts today and to see what it is you want us to know. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Bible is an amazing book, and it's a book of books. Now, you can get a cookbook, and it has, you know, a section for um, 
you know, hors d'oeuvres or uh, whatever you want to call them, uh, and a section for main dishes and desserts and breads and all of that. But it's still one book. You know, you can pick up a, a book, fiction or nonfiction, and it's got chapters in it, but it's still a book. But the Bible has 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. And then each of those books, or most of them, um, have chapters within them. Now, there's 14 books in the Apocrypha, uh, which is not part of the Jewish Old Testament. Uh, it was used first in the King James. And um, you know some people use it, the Catholic Church um, makes it part of their um, liturgy. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but most Protestant uh, faiths do not. Uh, some books are long. The book of Psalms, 150 chapters. It's the longest in chapters, but it's not the longest in words. Jeremiah has 33,002 words, whereas Psalms only has 30,147 words, and it makes it number three. Some are short. Like Third John, there's only 219 words. Obadiah, uh, from the Old Testament, only has 440 words. Of course, this all depends on which version of the Bible you're using. There's at least 40 authors of the Bible. Some are anonymous. Uh, and, you know, I could give you a, a lot more facts, different things, but I'm not going to. Okay, so what is my point? Number one is that we need the whole Bible. Some Christians say, well, you know, the New Testament, that replaced the Old Testament, you know, that was that was the Old Covenant. That was, you know, old and when the New Testament came, you know, we don't really need that. I'm not sure where some people get this thinking. Unfortunately, some people may get it from the pulpit. But wherever they got it, it's not true. Because the New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. The New Testament completes the Old Testament. A, a friend of mine that's uh, very well versed in Scripture says that you, know, you can find Jesus on just about every page in the Old Testament, which is true if you're looking for him. Now, there's many Old Testament verses that get quoted in the New Testament, uh, especially around Christmas time. Now, Jesus himself quoted 49 different Old Testament verses, and some more than once himself. So, are we going to say that the Old Testament is irrelevant? Doesn't sound like it was irrelevant to Jesus. In Luke 4, Jesus was teaching, and he quoted Isaiah. And listen to what happened after he had done that. It says he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Is the Old Testament irrelevant? 
I'd have to say no. So let's begin in the Old Testament and look at Isaiah 40. Okay, this is verse 6. And this is what the Lord is saying. He says, All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall because of the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the God, word of God endures forever. Okay, so we are in fall, autumn, here in Oklahoma, and pretty soon the grass will be withering. Uh, it'll be turning brown. And the flowers, they're not what they were a month ago, and they'll be getting worse as the weather gets colder. I mean, I already pulled up the impatience and begonias that we had in front of our house, and sometime in the next few days, I'm going to be pulling up a bunch of other flowers in our backyard. Because the breath of the Lord, the cold weather, is blowing on them. But God's word has not and will not change. Because it's as true today as when it was written hundreds of years ago. And the word of God has never been more needed than it is today. The world needs God. And they find God in his word. Of course, the world will not deliver God's word to the people. Okay, that's up to you and I. The world hates God's word because it's the truth. John 8, 31-32 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, where do the teachings of Jesus come from? From the Old Testament. So let's go back to Isaiah, okay? Isaiah 55. This is verses 8 through 11, where the Lord is, is saying, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, or your, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. As a pastor, as a podcaster, that's comforting to know because I may present a message that doesn't accurately convey the message that I want, but if I have been faithful to the word, God's message will come through. Okay, so I may fall flat on my face, but God will see the victory. Hey, there's another but God. Hmm, what about that? 
I'm not one that's memorized a lot of scripture. And now at 72, I can say, well, I'm just too old. Well, when I came to the Lord, I was 28. And, you know, I certainly could have started memorizing scripture back then if I had chosen to. But I'm more of a, I know Jesus said, or the Bible tells us about that someplace. I can find it, given time. And I can find it much quicker with the YouVersion Bible app. So let me do a commercial here, okay? Life Church, which we are a part of, is the one that has come up with the YouVersion Bible app. It has, I don't know how many different languages. I mean, dozens and dozens of different languages. It has probably 25 or 30 or maybe more different English versions of the Bible and has been downloaded by almost a half a billion people around the world. Half a billion people are using this to get scripture. Many people getting it in their own language. So, end of commercial. I know that there's many people that have memorized large portions of scripture. I think that's great. You know, they can say, well, it tells us in First Paul 16.52, and yes, I know there's not the book of First Paul, okay? Give me some slack there. But what God is telling us in Isaiah 55 is my word will overcome any obstacles. It will overcome people. They're speaking or hearing. It will overcome man's laws and rules. It's greater than whatever Satan wants to throw at it. It will accomplish my task, no matter what. God is not dependent on people because we're flawed. But God and his word are flawless. You know, if you remember nothing else from this message, remember that. The Word of God is flawless. Now, some people, they say, well, you know, you need to use this version of the Bible. Or, you know, oh, you can't use that version. You know, that's not right, what they say. Uh, you know, I sometimes use the message, which I will be later on in this message. And it's not a translation. It's what is referred to as a transliteration Okay, it was written by using a translation of the Bible into more modern uh, language. And some people think that, you know, that's an abomination if you would use the message. Or, you know, uh, the Living Bible is another that's a transliteration. Um, but for some people, it's much easier to understand than something else. Uh, so whatever you can read and absorb the most from, okay? Because nothing against the King James Version, but, you know, there's some things that if I were to read that in the King James, I would just not have a clue what I had just read and what I was maybe supposed to get out of it. 
Okay, but other parts of the Bible, the the King James is what I would go to, uh, especially Psalm twenty three. That's got to be in the King James. Okay, so Jesus gave us some very important words in Matthew. Okay, starting in verse seventeen. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, Beginning in verse 18, Jesus said, For I truly tell you, until heaven and earth disappear. What's he talking about? Heaven and earth are going to disappear? Well, that's going to happen when the new heaven and the new earth come. Okay, you can't have two heavens and two earths. Okay, old will be gone, not the Old Testament, the old earth, the old heaven that we're now residing in will be replaced by a new heaven and a new earth. And that may be coming quicker than we think. Well, at the end of verse 18, Jesus said, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen. Okay, so in the King James, it says, one jot or tittle shall no wise pass from the law Till all be fulfilled. What's a jot and what is a tittle? One is a word that we don't use today. We do use jot. You know, you'll say, well, I'm going to jot a note to my friend or I'm going to jot a note to remind myself. Okay, and that also means a, a small amount. Now, tittle, on the other hand, I don't remember hearing anybody talk about tittles, okay? But it has the same meaning as a jot. It means a scrap or a fragment or a trace. So when Jesus says that, he's saying not one fragment, not one mite, not one crumb was to be changed or removed from the law. Until when? Until everything has been accomplished. We need to remember how the scriptures were passed down. They were handwritten on scrolls. you imagine that? I mean, look at your Bible and look how thick that is and how many pages, you know, on very thin paper there are. Can you imagine having to write that by hand? And for me to, to say, write that by hand, that somebody can read it? Okay. And there were scribes that sat for hours a day 
copying down very, very carefully every jot and every tittle. I know I don't want to be called least in the kingdom. And Jesus said that it's those who set aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly. In other words, it would be saying, well, you know, this really isn't pertinent to Christians today. You know, we can we can just kind of say, well, you know, we really don't need to hang on to that now. You know, we've got this over here, and so we can not worry about that over there because that's that's the old thing. That's the Old Testament. And so we can just kind of set that off to the side. Now let's take a look at Hebrews. Okay, this is first in the NIV, and this is chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. It says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Whoa. Okay, now let's see how the message gives us that. It says, God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharper than a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter what. Okay, so what those two different versions, transliteration, tell us is that God's word is alive. And that's like no other book out there. And God's word gives us life like no other book can do. Now, we know that Psalm 119 gives us 176 verses of what the Word of God is. So in Psalm 19, okay, not 119, in Psalm 19, David kind of gives us a, a Reader's Digest version of that, okay, in verses 7 through 11. David says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, Making wise, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Okay, David is talking about the law, the statutes, the precepts, the commands, the decrees, all from God, 
For what reason? To be given to his children. For what purposes? To refresh the soul. To make the simple wise. To give the heart joy. To give light to our eyes. God's word is more precious than gold. world sure doesn't tell you that. God's word is sweeter than honey. God's word is free. And God's word is freeing. Paul in Galatians 3.8 says, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, you and me, that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham that all nations will be blessed through you. Okay, Abraham wasn't told the Jews will be blessed through you. All nations, God's word told him that. Don't tell me that the Old Testament isn't valuable. In Ephesians 5, Paul is giving instructions to husbands and wives. Where do we find the scriptures in this? Verses 25 and 26 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word. Christ makes us holy through the word. Now, you need to remember this is a different time. This is a different culture. This is when husbands, it was their duty to do what Christ had done for the church. It was a husband's duty to, to sit down with a wife and say, okay, this is what the scriptures say, you know, or this is what Jesus said, and this is how we are to understand it. God's word is life-changing if we allow it to happen. The Old Testament tells us of Jesus' coming. The New Testament tells us of his life, his death, his resurrection, and his second coming. The Old Testament is the foundation that the New Testament is built on. The Old Testament proves that the New Testament is true. Don't disregard the old because you love the new. Together, and only together, they make up the right stuff. I want to share with you the words from a, a hymn written by Fanny Crosby, one of over 8,000 that she wrote. She wrote this in 1880. She was about 60 years old at the time. And the title is the first line, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. Not tell me the stories of Jesus. This is tell me the story of Jesus. Okay, first verse goes like this. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write it right on my heart, every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest, peace and good tidings on earth. Fasting alone in the desert, tell of the days that are past, how for our sins he was tempted, yet was triumphant at last. Tell of the years of his labor, tell of the sorrow he bore. He was despised and afflicted, homeless, rejected and poor. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, wreathing in anguish and pain. 
Tell of the grave where they laid him. Tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so tender, clearer than I ever see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper. Love, pay the ransom for me. And the refrain tells us this. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. We need the, the Word of God, the whole Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, not disregarding a jot or a tittle. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for your Word. And Lord, it is alive. It is active. And we need to read it. We need to know it and do our very best to, to study it and, and understand it as best we can. And Lord, that's a difficult, difficult thing because my understanding may be different than that of somebody else. So Lord, help us to, to get the understanding that you want us as individuals to have. And Lord, as we peel away some of the misunderstanding that we have or some of the non-understanding that we have, Lord, let us see the truth in both the Old Testament and the New Testament and how it's alive and active today in our lives, written hundreds of years ago. But Lord, it still guides us and directs us. So Father, help us to, to do the best we can to know and understand what you've given us. <coughs> and Father, I lift up anyone that may be listening that, that doesn't know you, that maybe they've never read a word of your scriptures. Maybe they've never heard a, a song that that lifts you up or, or lifts up your word. Learn, let them know that they don't have to understand the Bible to get to know you. That once they make a commitment to you, that then they can come to your word and they can find you page after page after page. So, Lord, if there's anyone that needs to make that commitment to you, Lord, let it be today. And let them do it in a prayer like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I am a sinner, and I know I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus, the only Savior there is. Father, forgive me, and let Jesus come into my life. Let your Holy Spirit guide me and direct me that I can be the person that you need me to be for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.